It's not a financial decision, it's an emotional decision, it's an artistic yes. decision. Because the reality is, running your business full-time, it also comes with a price tag. You know, a lot of things that chop that number down where your net might be 50% of your gross. The three milestones you wanna be looking at are, have you doubled your gross revenue? Are you losing money by not being full-time? If you're generating enough leads and closing at a high enough rate to replace that income. Hey guys, welcome to the Wedding Film School show. Uh, again, I'm here with Bobby. We're going to be doing part two of our series on going full-time. Last episode, we talked about don't quit your day job. You should go back and check it out. We give you a couple of reasons why we don't think Going full-time in wedding filmmaking or wedding photography is the end-all be-all and some really good reasons why I think you may not want to do it. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not sure, I would say go listen to that episode and, and kind of think through, um, is this really right for you? But if you've kind of come to that conclusion that you're like, no, I really need to quit my job. Well, that's what this episode's about. We want to give you insight, not just into why you might want to be a wedding filmmaker and why you might want to be full-time doing it. But really, what are some numbers and ways you can look at your business that will help tell you that it's actually really time? Because for some of you, it's not about um, if, it's when. You're going to go full time. Yeah. It's not if, it's when. And so for some of you, might you might look at these numbers and say, yeah, I'm going to go full time, but maybe next year. So, so Bobby, how are you doing today? Good. <laughs> Good, good, good. Yeah, no, no complaints. Yeah, uh, I like this topic a lot. I really like talking about also, you know, about reasons not to go full time. I thought that was a pretty interesting conversation. So, um, yeah, and this one, I think, you know, yeah, like you said, we have a little more like tangible, you know, check these boxes, you know, numbers that you can dive into and whatever. So um, I think this will be really helpful for a lot of people who want to go full time or are considering it. So. Yeah. Um, if you are listening to this, I do want to encourage you guys. We got a bunch of partners. If you go to the YouTube description or on our websites, things you can do to support the show. And it really means a lot. Thank you guys. For, a lot of you guys are buying through things through affiliate links. It really helps us. Another thing we want to always give you things that help us, but also help you. And one of the things that it might be, it's, it's actually kind of, I think, um, going to be expiring by August 15th. So I wanted to point this out to you guys. Wedding Film School is working with Music Bed, and we're going to be giving you two months off new subscriptions to the Music Bed, which is, in my opinion, the premier um, wedding filmmaking music licensing platform. It's the best. Um, I think it's the best. And they have a wedding subscription license. And if you use the code two months WFS, you get two months free, which is a really good deal. I want to say it's like 140 bucks off. Yeah, which is a I really a solid deal. So if you're listening to this before August 15th, 2021, head over to um, the Music Bed's website, musicbed.com, and there's a... And we'll link it down below. Yeah, well, yeah. if you're listening. But. If you're listening, no, we won't link it, but you can just... <laughs> I mean, I would encourage you, if you're listening, go to our YouTube channel, watch our yeah. videos. And it, but we have a description, there's a link below, and you can click on it, and the key is you got to make sure you enter the wedding subscription, otherwise... It won't really work, but when yep. you do that, just use the code two months WFS and you'll get two months off. Um, but without further ado, let's talk about this. Let's talk about going full time. What do we mean by that, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of addressed this in the last one too. But full time for us means that your main source of income 
basically you are relying on wedding filmmaking. Yep. It's not a certain number of wedding films. It's not a certain threshold of dollars that you're making. It's just like your life is sustained by, for the most part, wedding filmmaking. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that like you're, and it might even, if we want to get really particular, it might be full-time video production. Would, yeah, yeah, might be a better way to say because specific. Because yeah. maybe some of you guys are doing, you know, some commercials, yeah, I do some, some weddings, commercial stuff, all that I mean, stuff. Yeah. But in general, yeah, you're quitting this job. You're no longer doing something that isn't video. You're doing video full time, and in yeah. our case, wedding filmmaking. So, so for many people, this is a dream that they have, and it's a really cool dream because I think it's one of the few like industries where you can hop in and just immediately become your own boss with very short amount of time. If you got the skills and you're willing to do the work, you can do it. And so uh, even though we had an episode about not going full time, I think at the end of the day, being able to go full time as a solopreneur and making it be art. I mean, what other art job can you just like literally be like, hey, I'm quitting my job and I'm painting full time. <laughs> yeah. Some people. Some people. Way more way, I don't want to say easier, but way more likely to do it in something like wedding. Company. I would think it's easier because there's like a Probably. huge market or, yeah. and it's like a built-in market and you don't, I would think like painters, there's so much like, oh, I like this painting. I don't like this painting. It's not, yeah. is it a good painting or a bad painting? Yeah. You know, and so I think it's a cool opportunity and a cool line of work. And so you should want to do it. I think um, the money is good. You can make a lot of money shooting wedding yeah. films you can make and you can maybe not become rich but you can easily replace your income shooting wedding filmmaking there's a Definitely. lot of people who are making 30 40 50 thousand dollars a year who could replace that and then some and run their business very easily in wedding filmmaking which is really cool which is i think one of the best reasons if you're looking at it i would hope we were kind of talking last episode bobby we talked a lot about being bivocational and a lot of people it might be making, I know some people who make a good amount of money, like a lot yeah. of money, and they also do wedding films on the side. Some of you guys were, are like, hey, I just got out of college and I'm making like 30 grand, 25 grand. I'm not making a lot of money. And I think for a lot of you guys, it's not going to be like that hard to replace your income and you're going to enjoy yeah. the job a lot more. That was probably your case, right, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, I, I basically got out of college and was pretty much full-time, so. Yep. Uh, you know, and I yeah, I didn't work another salary job before that or anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had, if I was in some entry-level position, like, yeah, it would have been, it would it definitely would have been the move for me to, to switch into, into wedding stuff. Well, I mean, what other kind of job can a college kid just, I mean, there are, of course, jobs, web designers and all kinds of jobs, but. Yeah it's one of the few things where like a 21 year old kid can immediately make $50,000 of their own money. Yeah. Their own or business. Get out and with, with the ability to within three years, I mean, if you do it right, you could be making 150,000 in a few years, you know? So yeah, totally. I mean, depends on lots of variables, but like there's, there's probably not too many career paths where you're going to get in at 35, 45, 50,000 as a salary. And, and your own you boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of other reasons why it's it's great, but it's it's and a great thing too, which we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, go listen. But but I think <laughs> for most of you guys, like it's it's gonna be a great decision to go full time, but it's not something you should make lightly. So we wanted to kind of 
kind of pave the way so you can think about it because there's probably a couple types of people who are listening to this and thinking like, should I, shouldn't I, right? There's, um, there's people who have full-time jobs that pay very well and either don't like the job, um, aren't satisfied in it or think, Hey, this might pay me well, but I can act. I know that I can do better in wedding filmmaking. I can replace this income. I, I, I just, you know, I'm, that's their situation. They have a great job, but they're looking maybe great by the way, in terms of pay, but they're looking at maybe doing art for a living and they think they could replace it. And then I think there are people who are like typically probably on the younger side who maybe haven't kind of been established in a career but are just discovered wedding filmmaking and really like the stakes are a lot lower for them in terms of like if i quit my job you know yeah it doesn't really matter you try this for three four years you're still going to be you know 23 24 at the end of it if you want to pivot and do a different career they're doing like kind of entry-level positions you know who knows maybe they're on a career path at their job maybe they're just like bobby burns the pizza delivery guy who we reference he's a cool guy he is a cool. I actually loved I, that. Was one of the jobs I had that I loved the most. I loved really? delivering pizzas. I never delivered pizzas. It was but so like freaking cool. fun. It was so fun because like I like music and podcasts and stuff. Yeah. So I'd be just driving in my, yeah. just listening to music, listening to sports all day. Um, but like, if I just quit my pizza delivery job, who cares? Yeah, yeah. I can just get another pizza delivery job. You know, like people. If you're maybe on a career path, I think it might be. A little like if you're like okay yeah I'm making forty grand now but like I'm in a good place if I keep this up like I'm gonna be I'm gonna get all my bills paid I'm gonna have and I'm gonna get healthcare and all the, like I think that yeah. person is one person maybe early in their career and then there's a, like the third person which is they have nothing really established they're kind of just like they just need to get their bills paid and they're happy you yeah. know it's like establishing a career down a career path that could be very good and if they keep doing it or like literally like Bobby Burns, he went to college, but like he didn't really ever, for you, it was always an um, upward mobile move to shoot wedding films. Yeah. There was no real question, should I do this? It was like, clearly yeah, I it should It just kind of rolled into it and it was, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it would be silly of me to not pursue that at that time. Yeah. And so, like I said in the last episode, I get a salary from another job. I, in full disclosure, I am bivocational. I have chosen not to quit the job because I love doing it. And the money is good. Not amazing, but good. And um, they're comfortable with the um, compromises I have to make because of I've worked there so long, 15 years, that um, they're okay with me doing wedding films. So it's a good relationship. It works out well, and I will do it as long as I can. Um, that's the choice I've made. I still consider myself to be a full-time wedding filmmaker. Bobby, you, you're you full-time, full-time video production. You don't have any other yep. source of income, right? Nope. So, yeah, we're two different people in two different places, so we're offering this perspective, I think, from having both different perspectives, and I think we've talked through these three reasons, and I think – Coming from different places, we would both agree these are three good reasons why you will want to go full-time and kind of boxes you should check. So the first reason that you – not reason. i got to stop saying reason. Um, Yeah. uh, So let me me just restate that. Sign. Yeah, let me restate that. So so what we did is we came up with three kind of 
milestones that you can look at in your own business to determine, is it time to go full-time, right? Because like I said before, some of you guys, it's going to be if, not, not, or something. Like I said before, some of you guys, it's when and not if. You're going to do it, but maybe it's not the right time. And hopefully this will help you determine, like, yeah, this is what I need to do to go full-time. Like, all I got to do is hit these milestones and I'll be ready to go. And by no means are we, like, the only authorities on this. This is just the things that we would say. And no, I, think I mean, that- I, you know, I think like we mentioned last podcast was like when we kind of like, you know, pitched this idea was like, we don't really see a lot of people giving you, you know, something solid, something concrete that you can look at and say, okay, this, like, I might be there. I might be ready to go full time. Yeah, a data driven thing. Yeah, there are other reasons or other scenarios where you could go full time. It's not like you have to fall into one of these three. I mean, you can go full time without any of these things being in place. It's just a riskier decision. Well, let's talk about the bonus. This is, so we're not recommending this because at the end of the day, you have to make this decision. But for many yeah. of you guys, going full-time is not a financial decision. It's an emotional decision. It's an artistic yeah. decision. We're not talking about that today because yeah. ultimately I can't make personal decisions for you. Yeah, um, like that could outweigh these. You could say, totally. I don't care. I'm going to pour two years of my life into building this up. I have only shot 10 weddings. I don't have consistent income from it, but that's what I want to do. Or I hate my other job. I don't care how much it pays. I would rather make half as much money. Like, that's a valid decision. It's not anything that I can... That carries weight. It's just that we can't... Those aren't... You know, we can't quantify that emotional decision for you. Well... So we're here to look into the... I would also tell you, like, I'm older. I work with young people. Maturity... We'll kind of talk you off a ledge from time to time. And so I'm, I'm not your dad. I'm not your mentor. If I am your mentor in a distance, well, thank you, thank you for considering me that. <laughs> but, but like at the end of the day, I would never tell – like if anyone came up to me and said, I financially – it's a terrible decision. I don't have any demand. Like if I say to you like, hey, Bobby, you want to go full-time? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, why? Well, I hate my job and I hate my boss. Okay. Um, tell me about your business. Okay. Well, I, I shot seven weddings last year. I got 14 inquiries and I think I'm If I can book all 14 of those inquiries, then I'm going to double and I can afford. Yeah. I would tell you like, that's stupid, Bobby. Don't do that. Yeah. From a purely facts. We're not saying. I would I'm tell you from you all reasons, like me personally like, as a mentor, yeah, I want, would tell you don't do it. I would tell you don't do it too. That being said, I'm not your boss. You're your own boss. We're not addressing those things. Wisdom is wisdom. But at the end of the day, who knows? You know your personal situation better than we do. Yes. So that being said, um, here are the three mile markers you're going to look at. And we're actually going to have a little downloadable for you if you want to download and kind of process this on paper. A lot of you guys are that way. You want to put your numbers down and actually look at them. So the first kind of milestone you want to be looking at, that at least based on Bobby and I's opinion, um, that's pretty easy to quantify, pretty easy to look at that will help you determine, is it time to go full time is has your revenue from wedding filmmaking, gross revenue, um, doubled the amount of money you need to live. Um, could be your salary could just be 
amount of money you've determined you're okay to live off of and yeah. pay all your bills. Or what but, you want to make right now or something like that. Yeah, whatever that is. Most likely for many of you, it's just going to be how much you make at your other job. That's a good place to start. Yeah. So if you're like making 30 grand, 25 grand working at a grocery store, I talked to a kid about this. I said, listen, what's your goal? He said, I want to be go full time. He wanted a mentorship. And so I said, you want to go full time? That's great. And I said, how much money do you make at your other job? He told me how much he made. It was something like eh, $27,000. I said, that's easy. Yeah. All you got to, like, you can do that. And for many of you guys, if you've already hit that point where you're like, say you make 30 grand and your business is pulling in 60, why do I say double, Bobby, and not just the amount of money you're making at your other job? Yeah, because the reality is, and you know, this is why a lot of people fall short over time because you don't account for this, is that running your business full time also, you know, it, it has great benefits and tons of things you love about it. It also comes with a price tag. There are a lot more expenses. You are paying a lot in taxes. There are, you know, a lot of things that chop that number down where your net might be 50% of your gross. Easily could be or, 50%. Yeah. You know, Especially at be the less. beginning yeah. of your business when you're not making as much profit. Yeah. The, the thing I'll tell you too is not only do you want to have all these expenses covered, but mm -hmm. you want to have money to cover when the business isn't doing as well. So if yep. you got like if you make thirty and your business is pulling in sixty, okay, I wouldn't pay myself sixty. Yeah, I would pay so myself thirty. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't. But even if I <laughs> say after all my expenses and my taxes, I still had like yeah. I had forty five. Yeah. For the first year of my business, maybe the first three years, I would still pay myself thirty. I would take fifteen, and I would put it in the bank, yep. and I would rainy day that money because yeah. you never know like when the money could dry up. And the money is seasonal too. So we're a cash flow business, right? So there are seasons of great cash flow and there are seasons of low cash flow. So I will just tell you if you want to have more detail about that, you can go pay for a coaching session and I'll talk you through yeah. all the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> we did yeah, a lot of budgeting sure. on it um, in our budgeting podcast. There's a lot of resources we give out about helping people assess their financial situation. Just trust me on this one. When your business is doubling, that's a good sign, right? Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a good like, hey, you know, you're probably at the point where your business income could replace or come close to replacing your your salary at your other job. And, and the nice thing that comes along with that is that most likely, if you're at the place, okay, yeah, so you're doing 15 weddings, I don't know, three grand a piece, I don't know, whatever it is, or, you, you know, four excuse me, four grand a piece, you've doubled, you know, your salary elsewhere. The, the reality is too, is when you go full time, the, the prospect of that is that you have a lot of room to grow mm -hmm. further in that. So like charge more, you know, you shoot might more. Get, yeah. Yeah. And like, what do you, what's like a typical raise for, is it like 1% or something like that? I don't I think know, the average like person makes over five years, like maybe 7% cost of living increase. Yeah, I mean, you could make that in, I mean, you could increase 7% in three months after you go full time, you know? So like there's, there's the, it is, part of it is like, hey, I'm at this point where it's safe to do that transition. And the reason I want to do that transition, it might be for creative reasons, it might be whatever, but on the financial side specifically is that there's also a lot more upward trajectory in a sooner, you know, it's a steeper climb. And don't get me wrong, by the way, like if you, 
I don't think it'll cost you double your salary to run your business. Like if no. it if you make sixty, it shouldn't cost you thirty grand in taxes and expenses. No, like, no, no. I'm just saying it's a good marker, and I like conservative numbers. I don't like aggressive numbers in terms of yep. recommendations. Me personally, if I was just taking like, I would do it for less if I believed in myself and I could look at my yeah. numbers really well. I'd be like, yeah, I mean that's an intangible, right? The like, hey, I know, I know my work ethic because that's big too. I mean, yep. what is your work ethic? Yeah. Like some people will hit the grind and they'll work 10 hour days every day and they'll be out there, you know, hustling. And some people won't, and, yeah. you know, just know, know who you are. Yeah. And it's just a guideline. It's just a guideline. And if you're wondering if you hit, if you check this box, it's like, okay, that feels good. Like, it's a it, safe guideline. Yeah. I if you're, if you're important. wondering, can I afford to do this? My guess yeah. would be, yeah, you can afford to do it. Like at those numbers, we would stand behind that. We would totally. be pretty surprised if if you couldn't afford to do that if you were making Yeah, if you're telling salary. me like, I want to, I love doing this. If I could do yep. it and only do it, I would be happy. And those are your numbers. I would probably say, yeah, you should with yep. those numbers. Um, the next one I think is a little more intangible, but I do think it's really important, which is could you make more money with wedding filmmaking if you just had more time to make wedding films? Yeah. That I don't think the answer there is as straightforward as it seems because I think a lot of people would not be willing to shoot more than 20 to 25 weddings and a lot of people couldn't necessarily just charge more money than they currently are. There are plenty of people who are shooting 20 weddings at $4,000 and they couldn't book more and they couldn't charge more. Yeah. So I don't think the answer is necessarily as obvious as it seems like, well, of course, if you had more time, you could make more money. I don't think that that's totally true. How could someone know that if they had more time to put into their wedding filmmaking business that they can make more money? What are just some like within the sub sub milestones yeah. within the milestone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think like there is the, the, well, yeah, I mean, we talk about this year specifically, right? Like how many weddings this year and next year because of COVID stuff and whatever, like we're getting bookings. I mean, you guys are probably more so because you shoot Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, Monday, Tuesday. Week, we're shooting exactly. today, a Thursday wedding. Yeah. I have more. I have in the next, this year, next year, I have two or three weekday weddings. Yeah. So if you're getting you a lot of inquiries, I mean, you could take the job off or take the day off, whatever, but like, maybe some people yeah. can, if you're getting a lot of off weekend wedding yep. inquiries and you're leaving that money on the table, that's a good sign yeah. that maybe you're, if you had more time, you can make more money. Um, yeah. I think another good one is if, cause you're, everyone has limits. Yep. You can't just exactly. work infinitely. And if you know, like if I only just had a little bit more time to recover, I could take double the amount of weddings or I could take 30% yeah. more. I would be comfortable shooting a lot more yeah. if I didn't have all this crap going on in my life, you know, which would equal, you know, for you, maybe if you're shooting 10 more weddings and you're charging, that might equal four, $5,000 that are 50, 40, $50,000 yeah. that you're leaving on the table. Um, yeah. yeah, no, hopefully you're not shooting for $400, <laughs> but it could be that like you have a number in your mind of how much yeah. you're willing to do that. If you didn't have another job, you'd be willing to do more. If you well, have yeah, that I mean, number in your like, mind, might be time. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you're if you're if you're currently bivocational right now, right, and you're doing this, like you might only have the threshold for like your cap, your absolute ceiling might be 15 weddings. Yep. Right. 
And if you're not working 40 hours a week now, you have more time. Maybe that does go up to 25. I think like people who aren't... A, there's a reasonable assumption to have a jump in that number. I think people now, who aren't doing luxury... That is another question, but... Yeah, I think if, if people who... Well, yeah, and we'll get to that one next, the booking yeah. and the marketing. But I think people who aren't doing super luxury, I think 25 to 30 weddings is the standard yeah. for most people. 25, 30 weddings. And the more you establish you get, maybe you trim that down because you're able to charge a little more and whatnot. Yeah. But, but I think 25, 30 weddings is like a pretty standard amount for a full-time wedding filmmaker. And the reason I say it's not as cut and dry is I actually think a lot of part-time people could easily do 20. Especially if you're outsourcing stuff. Yes, especially. Yep. And so I think a lot of the question comes down to how much of a difference on my business would jumping from 20 to 30 have what, and yeah. would I be willing to do it if I didn't have my other job? If the answer is not much of a big difference, I don't think I could book it, and I'm not even willing to. You know, maybe it's not a cut and dry decision to go full time. But if you're yeah. like, I love shooting wedding films. I would love to shoot 10 more. I just can't. And I yeah. definitely could. Yeah. Then you know, like, okay, then, not yeah, being full-time is it's hurting my ability to grow this business, and I really should consider going full-time because I'm leaving 50 grand on the table, Yep. and I would like it, and I could do it, you know? I think another one, too, we talked about, and this is a, kind of a smaller one, is, like, you know, if, if you want to target this specifically or if you want to be available for destination work, mm -hmm. you know, it's... It's going to be a lot harder <laughs> to do that and especially to do it consistently or frequently if you're working a full-time job. Yeah. You know, you've got a limit on the amount of time off you have from that full-time job. The, the tricky so. part about that is I have a hard time really recommending that path to people because in order to get destination work, you typically need a portfolio of destination work. Yeah. I so mean, it's a more intricate you know, but I could imagine whatever, but. that a part-time person maybe got one or two opportunities because I think this person exists. You get one or two yeah. opportunities. You go and shoot the weddings. You still have your other job. And because they were great and they were awesome, people are calling you left yep. and right. They're saying, oh, I want you to go to Cabo because you shot this great Cabo wedding. And you keep getting invited to Cabo and you can't go to Cabo. Yep. It could be that like most of your inquiries are destination or adventure elopement or something like that. And at the end of the day, like there are people who they're part-time and that's the situation they're in. And they really need to think through, hey, if I'm going to really take this thing where it needs to go, I got to quit. Yeah. You and know? you have to assume too that Cabo wedding that you turned down because, oh, I already used my two weeks of vacation. I can't swing it, whatever. Like it's more, I mean, I think you agree with this, maybe not, but like to me, it's more than just that Cabo wedding. Like that's a paycheck. It's five grand or whatever. It's a week. You can go spend a week in Cabo, whatever. But it's also every wedding that you would book because that one also turns out great. That's two hundred percent holidays opportunity. I mean, exactly. If you're chances and are that's that growth that you're talking about, that's how you get there too. So you chances know. are there's a planner at the wedding, and planners don't want to work with new people every wedding. They want to work with people they know, and like all this stuff adds up to each other, and so it can be a little tricky because I, I don't want to tell people straight up like. Do you want to become a destination wedding filmmaker? Like, I feel like everybody thinks they want to do that. I think many people do not. We're actually going to be having uh, films by Stanton on, Stanton Giles, to talk about that con exact topic soon. So if you're interested in wedding f filmmaking and making, like, destination wedding filmmaking a big part of your um, your life, 
we're going to have Stanton on where he's going to talk about do you really want to do this? What are some of the negatives? What are some of the positives? But, but I think um, in general, if you're turning down a lot of destination work, um, especially if you're turning down work, I, I, I can tell you like if you want to do it but you've never done it, I'm not really sure it's great to necessarily quit your day job because I think you could want to do all the weddings in the world at Lake Como and it doesn't mean crap until you <laughs> yeah. get an so opportunity. Can, right? There's yeah. no way to just strategically get into Lake Como. Like I think a lot of us who get in those positions are like, I don't really know. I got lucky. You know? Yeah, I think that's 100% realistic. Like, Justin, I've done a decent amount of destination work. I don't know. I don't know what the measurement is, right? Um, and a lot of it, I would say, is like, yeah, it's luck, right? Like, I mean, it doesn't mean you can't work towards it, but there's some amount, and I think anybody would say this, like you can be intentional, but there's some amount of the right person sees your work, right? That connection, whatever that connection is, it exists, they see your work, they have the budget for you, they're getting married in des- like, you know, outside of the US or outside of the state or whatever you consider destination. Like, they connect with you. Like there's just so much that has to go right where I, I don't think anybody, even those who are specifically doing destination would say that, especially at the beginning, that there's not some luck. Involved. They just literally just said destination and they typed it on their website and SEO, of course, just forced it to happen. Exactly. <laughs> That's the magic of SEO. One more way that you might be leaving money on the table and really I think goes into this second milestone as well is if you know, like, hey, look, if I had more time to put into this, uh, my customer's experience would be so much better. I could elevate the product so much more. And you have some tangible ways that you could, not just like I would magically become a better shooter because I would be the yeah, practice yeah. more. I mean, <laughs> I think that would be some of it. There's there's a little bit of truth to that, but that's, yeah. But I think if you have some tangible customer experience situations that either you're not delivering on currently that you think you could do better on that would actually move the needle like, what are some of those things that you think, if you were full-time, you might deliver at a higher level than if you're just showing up, you know, six o'clock every day is when you're on yeah. the clock. And, like, some days you're, like, I'm too tired. And other days you're, like, okay, I'm going to do it. But either way, what? how could you maybe – how has full-time maybe elevated your customer experiences? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the, the, the what it boils down to is customer experience can be a priority for you. Like if you're working a salaried full-time 40 hour a week job, ultimately that is your priority. You know, like I'm not saying that you automatically give your customers a bad experience, but when your client experience can be your priority, everything can revolve around that. And I'm a huge believer in that. Um, Like I completely, I think I talked about this at one point, like I completely changed my collections and the way they were structured with like to revolve around client experience. Like I took hours out. I didn't want to do by hours anymore because I felt that was negative. Those were like the only negative experiences I was having or that my clients were having. Um, so, you know, I think it, it just, it, what it boils down to is you can focus on your client experience. So whether that is, you know, responding promptly to questions, being able to hop on, you know, and not be tired, right? To be your full self in, uh, phone calls or meeting up for a drink or coffee or whatever you might do. I mean, clients um, do not care about my schedule. Yeah. So exactly. like I have to work they with their schedule. They do not care that you are working 40 hours a week elsewhere. In fact, they might care in a negative way. Yes. That's the only way they might care. Um, I think also like, you know, one of the other things that 
I mean, like, I don't know, you could go into like client gifts if you want to do that. You could dive in more to your delivery method, um, making sure, you know, that's dialed in and they get the best experience there. Um, there's just a whole lot of stuff that you can do along the way, right? From the minute your client sends you an inquiry on your website, and I mean, let's not even get into websites and social media and all that, which could generate more, you know, more revenue or more inquiries. But the minute that somebody inquires with you, all the way up to final delivery or, you know, something, you know, I don't know if it extends beyond final delivery, but from that start to that finish, you basically now have potentially 40 hours a week, and I don't think you need all of that, but some amount of time that you can dive into really dial in what that whole experience looks well, like. Well, and people act like we are all like, oh, we're all best friends in this industry. But like the fact remains, like if I was in your market, me and you would be competition. Yeah. It can be friendly competition, but. For sure, with ethics and honor. But at the end of yeah. the day, I'm still competing I for want the, that job. And I'm still competing for the it. same clients. And like, and at the end of the day, somebody who's out there, it might be razor's edge. Like your films are very similar, but their yep. customer experience was way better. Exactly. The emails were prompter, you know. Yeah. Or like, it could be something dumb. It could be like, hey, they, I mean, we they, talked about this in another video. We had another video coming out about it, about like, they use a CRM. Everything was digital online. It was easy. I didn't everything want to sign was a easier. Contract and their branding a was a little nicer. Yeah. Their website was more up to who knows the little things that you just that fall through I mean, the cracks. That's that's the real question is, hey, if I'm working a full time job, I can show up on Saturday. I can shoot a wedding. I can edit your wedding video and I can deliver it to you. But what are the things that you aren't putting time into because you're working elsewhere? And that's going to be social media, your website, your inquiry process. Your, your contract actually stream, being up to your date, contract. you're going to forget. Yeah, like there's so much stuff like that. That's those small things where it's like, ah, you know, I can get by another season without addressing that. And maybe you can, but it's probably limiting your yeah. gross or your Well, if you can tangibly, let's just make it tangible. If you can sit down and write down a list of things, bad experiences you think clients have had that had to do with your time, yep. it might be time to consider looking elsewhere. Yeah. If you can and just I go would do everything I could. Like I said, that's what I think. Me personally, I think that's what things should revolve around. And I would do everything I could to address those things. Because I think client experience ah, ultimately is like the top priority. The last little milestone that you want to be looking at is more of a marketing thing. And, and in a lot of ways, I think this is the most important because as much as it matters, the money side, Yep. Sustainability is the big determination on whether you should go full time because yeah. let's it's be like the long term. Yeah. Big picture. The third milestone is am I receiving and, and we'll just use my number would be am I receiving ten times more leads than I am willing to book and am I closing at at least a ten percent rate? Yeah. I or think ten times more leads then generates that number that you need. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So like, say you're like, I want to shoot 20 weddings. Yeah. 20 weddings it. is what I need to make the amount of money that yep. I want to make. Et yep. Yep. That's the number. I want to make 20. Or I want to do 20. I need to do 20 at yep. least. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And, and I think it's the at least number, by the way, because yep. you definitely yep. can, you do, can more. do more. Sure. But anyway, I need to do at least 20 weddings. I'm getting 200 inquiries a year, which I don't think is a crazy amount. 
200 inquiries is a good amount, but it's not crazy. It doesn't require this massive marketing budget or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's a healthy, solid, established business. I think 150 to 100 and 200 on the high. I think if, if you're yeah. not getting 100 leads in a year, may, I, I would tend to say like you're it's another question. You're probably not really ready to go full time because that's not massive it's demand. Dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. I mean, maybe you could get away with it, but regardless, I think that's what we're saying ultimately is like we're giving you we're giving you numbers that are more that are conservative. They're yeah, and they're based. Numbers. There's a lot of factors in here. Close yep. rate. Where do your leads come yeah. from? Are you advertising? Are you not advertising? Yeah. Are you plugged in with planners? Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Anyway, but you want 20 weddings. You're getting 200, 200 leads. Inquiries. I would say you want 200 leads, and you want because then you only need to close on 10 percent of those leads. Yep. Um, I wouldn't necessarily. I think really high close rates. I've heard some people brag about them and I'm like, I'm not, there's, there's a certain danger to that too. Big danger. Yeah. Like if you're closing 40, 50% of your leads and then I tell you like, that's really high. And you're like, no, it's, it's great because they're all, you know, I shot this wedding and they had 20 sisters and all of them have booked me. Yeah. That's great. They're not going to false numbers. Yeah. Enjoy when they have kids in 22 it's good years. Paychecks, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, it, but I, there is something to be said about book. Like you can book, like we're talking 40, 50%. That's, that's weird, right? That's a, that's an outlier. And there's probably a weird reason why, <laughs> but you can book higher than 10%. Sure. And, it, and it's good. We're 18 you know, to we don't 20. say that. We're yeah. 18 to 20. So that's um, one thing. I think one thing that's important to say is like, you know, we're saying 10 times, we're saying we're booking at a, a rate of 10% because I think that's a good number to, to shoot for. I think you should be doing that. And I think if you aren't, if you're below you that, be I think you're looking that. at, there's a health problem. Yeah. There's with something your else business. going on. Like, but for sure. Yeah. But so, you know, you could say like, I guess we're giving you that conservative 10%. I think we're giving that to the person who doesn't have the numbers, can't look into that and come up with their own. But I, I think if you could say, hey, I've been doing this for five years. I've booked consistently 15% or even 25% years, or 25, whatever. Like, then I think you can kind of flex these numbers of how many leads you need a little bit. Like if you can prove consistency in your close rate over a long span of time. But I think a safe I would say number three is years. Times. If you have three years of a consistent close rate. Yeah, um, and, and it's, you're, it's probably pretty accurate. You're you're probably in a good place, and I, yeah. I think you might be able fine to do it. If you're new, I would look at a ten percent close rate as like my standard. Yep, like that's that's pretty standard in a lot of industries. Ten percent close rate. If you're less than that, there's probably a problem, or you're like a massive celebrity wedding filmmaker who, yeah. you know, like, there, I don't know, you're like pen weddings who that, has like. But. Tens of, of thousands of subscribers on YouTube and people are inquiring, expecting to pay a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, if that's happening to you, most of us, that's not what's happening to you. Most of us are just getting normal inquiries. So <laughs> I think this is really, we could talk about marketing. We should talk about marketing another time. I always like feel weird talking about marketing. It's an odd topic. I don't know. I, I have a level of expertise on it. Right. But I'm always yeah. like, um, my opinion is always spend money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's hard because it's just like, it, it's so, it can be so dependent on, I think there's just a lot of variables. 
That's why it's a hard topic to talk about. Well, ultimately, a lot of people are not willing to do what it takes to get where they want to go. Yeah, there's and, a sacrifice and I think to, to like, get there. Like spending the money on the marketing, and they don't believe it. And then the variable is there of like you put the money to get the leads, but your marketing sucks or you're not showing it to the right people. Marketing yeah. is hard, and I think that's one of the reasons why. Uh, I'll tell you this, just as a bonus. If you're looking at this number and you're like looking at your close rate and you're looking at your total. So what is a close rate? I mean, if you don't know what that is, I'll just explain it real quick, which is how, what's the percentage of people who inquire with you? And by inquire, I mean, fill out your form, not yep. hit you up in the DMS. Yep. That's not an inquiry, like a real hard inquiry that actually the person had to invest some time in, um, that you might even get a phone call out of it, like a real inquiry. So a person inquires and then you, book X percentage of them. That's your close rate. Mm. Um, now the higher close rates are going to be on referrals. Probably the highest close rates are going to be on like planner referrals relationships where the person I had a planner. I think, tell I think planner and uh, yeah, I think planner is the highest for me as far as close rate percentage followed by photographer for me. Uh, mine is mine is probably the next tier for me is photographer or like their friend, like their friend was a previous client of mine. The reason why planners and photographers close so high guys is because when you're list, when you when that person's asking, the question they ask them is, "Who do you recommend? Who do you like working? Who do you with? trust?" So they're Who gonna be like, job. they're not just booking you; they're booking the experience for the planner and the photographer. And there's also probably at that point too, there's probably some amount of like pre. <coughs> you know, pre-qualification on budget. Yep, for sure. Planners, you know. when I when I consider doing a big price hike, I call my planner friends. Yep. And I say, how would, you, how would your clients react to X? W yeah. Would you feel like I was bait and switching you? And I also call our planners and say, we just raised our prices, just so you know. You know, because like for me, that, that, that relationship is so important because yeah. the close rate, close rate is so high. I have planners who tell me, which... They don't have to do this. I don't even know if it's true, but they'll tell me like you're the only people we refer. Yeah, you're the only people we want to work with. You know, so that right. happens. So those close yeah, rates are going to just be really, really high. But then there's marketing. Marketing close rates are going to be really low. Like, like if you're doing a Facebook ad, do not be disappointed by three percent. Yeah. Do not like I'm saying your composite, your average number when you factor in family referrals, Everything. venues. You want it to be 10 to 20%, but like you also want to get down to like if no planners are referring you or no photographers are referring you, that's a bad sign. That means that well, you're not. Well, it's just going to be hard. I mean, it's like you're, you're, you're picking the difficult path there. And, and more importantly, to get things back on track, you're probably doing something wrong. Yes. Why don't they like you? Yeah. People refer people they like. Yeah. The end. Like yeah. they, they, that's how it is. And so I think it really comes down to looking at your numbers. We won't get into all that, but just in general, 10, 20%, the more marketing you do that is paid marketing, the lower your close rate's going to be because those are cold leads, very poorly qualified. And it's okay. I like having some of that because yeah. it, it, it gives me control over my business. Um, but in general, if you're like, I am never willing to pay for any leads and I don't need to, Maybe you're, you flex a little with that number. But whatever it is, 
you want to have not only the close rate, but you need the marketing. So let's just talk about a little bit about that. My guess is, Bobby, you're not paying for a lot of marketing. No, we pay. I pay for uh, the not. That's it. So that's and we, that's controversial. It shouldn't sure be. I'll hear about it. Yeah, it shouldn't be in the comments. It totally depends on where <laughs> you are in your market, but like, yeah. In general, I mean, I think it's. I don't. I think it's indisputable that you can make money on the mark on the net. Yeah. Every I know a lot of people that do it just because it's one other person. Like literally, this is what I'll tell you. If you see someone complaining and saying the knot doesn't work, go look at their knot profile and go look at their work and then <laughs> determine if they're the problem. Yeah. My knot profile isn't even good. I don't update. I update that like every three years. I feel like. Oh, well, but I, it works. So we whatever. slay on the knot. Yeah, I, and I will say too, I have booked some of my like, like I have consistently booked. You know, I feel like maybe once a year from the knot, I'll book my top collection. I, I know people, I know there's tons of budget brides on the knot, but there are also people who just use it because it's easy and they have the budget to hire you. So if I do my leads value, my highest average lead value is the knot. Dang. Yeah. My average, my average sale on the knot is $5,000. Yep. People have money who are on there. Yes, you got to play the game right and whatever, and it's, it is area specific. And I one hundred percent, I believe, I believe that there are businesses or locations where the knot is not going to work for you. I'll give you the numbers that we have. Just this isn't composite. This is lead source client referral, thirty one percent, vendor referral, thirty one percent, and this is um, oh, this is only one month. <laughs> it's probably. <laughs> Uh, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Record scratch, rewind noise. Yeah, I'll start off. <laughs> oh, man, we have so many leads. There we go. That was like ASMR for filmmakers, whispering into the mic that you have so many leads. It's like <laughs> what people dream about. <laughs> um, so we have, this is our lead sources. We have 31% where they don't tell us. They would refuse okay. to answer the question. 30% client referral. Um, sorry, conversion conversion rate. Um, of the people who are unknown where they don't answer the question, 31% convert. Probably okay. that's, they're probably referrals, most likely. Yeah. 30% client, 30% vendor, 23% Instagram, 18% other. I have no idea why we even have that. Maybe it's just <laughs> built into the form. 18% wedding wire, 18% the knot, 70% Google, 9% website. And the lead value. And those, sorry, those were your are those conversion are your close rates. rates? Okay. Those are my close yeah. rates by source. For each of those. And then we, yeah. we have our average value, 4800 for the knot, 4400 for Instagram, 4300 for vendor referral, 4000 for client referral. There's an important reason why that's lower, by the way. That person's going to call because their friend told them how much they spent. How much it was, yep. Other, 4000 Google, 3000 Wedding Wire. We're getting rid of the Wedding Wire, by the way. Thirty-five hundred, like it's fifteen. Oh, it's almost fifteen hundred dollars less than the knot. They're the same now, though, aren't they? <laughs> they're not. The actual experience and the customer oh, is totally okay. different. They're owned by the same, but they're yes, separate. So, now. like, my point is this: I know my numbers. <laughs> I know what yeah. I can afford to get, and I know what I need to survive. I know all the things I want coming in. I guess maybe the greater point is know your numbers. But if you're wondering yeah, what numbers, to, yeah. what numbers to look at. If you're looking and you're like, yeah, I'm closing at a high enough rate, you know, when you add them all together, I'm, I'm closing at a high enough rate and I'm getting the amount of leads. 
The reason why both numbers are important is like if I just told you like, hey man, I'm closing 30%. I think we we're close to 25% close rate across the board. That's really great, but what if I told you I only got 10 inquiries? Yeah, it doesn't it's not the sole it's not the only indicator. We're getting six, 600, 700 inquiries a year. Yeah. And so the reason why both the numbers work together is like we're trying to sustain a certain business, right? Um, you know, we factor in a lot of things. I don't know what – Bobby, about – if you were to like average it out, how many inquiries do you think you're getting a month? Ooh, that's a good question. I'll bet I get – I mean, obviously – Different months are different, and I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but I'll bet that I get anywhere from 20 to 35 in a month. And you're, on average. Um, you're a little bit on the higher side price-wise, yep. so you're going to be kind of definitely closing at a lower rate than yeah. maybe some other people, but <clears throat> you probably have had never had an issue booking your season. No, not really. I mean, I you know, it's... Yeah, I think so. I'm at those numbers. I'm getting two, what two two hundred forty to like four hundred or somewhere in that range of inquiries per year. And I could be off by a little bit, but I I'm really only trying to do fifteen weddings. Yes, and I will do more because sometimes they fall out of a wedding season for me, and then I'm okay with it. But like, you're you're like, if you don't hit fifteen, you're getting a little worried. Yeah, I mean, not so much this year and last year because. We all know it was its own what thing. Happened? But like, what happened this yeah, year and last year? I actually don't remember. It's weird. I kind of blacked out. Both years blended together. But yeah, I mean, even like, you know, even in those two years, I don't think I did 15 last year. I, I think I might end up doing 15 this year. I don't know. Like, I'm getting a lot of last minute stuff. But because yeah, we, just, we just opened here in Minneapolis or, you know. But it's all brutal. Lift, lifted but, restrictions. But regardless, but, like, for you and yeah. your business, I think it rings true that you are yeah. looking at, like, Closing. I mean, I don't similar. Even think I have to close ten percent. The higher your prices are, the lower your close rate can be. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's what important to know. So I'm trying to come up with a number. I think that most people, but like, yeah. when I think about like we've had we had Alex and Whitney from Sculpting with Time on, they're not going to be closing on ten percent of their leads. Yeah, like they're more maybe it like makes sense. You know? Yeah, they just they're 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 basically celebrity wedding filmmakers, and people are gonna they could have. They could have like 30 people a day, people like yeah. that reaching out. And so like most of us aren't in that position. We're just generating our solid, steady 10 to 20 a month. That's good. If you get 100 inquiries a year, like that's cool. Like you could definitely sustain um, 10, 10 weddings a year, like very easily. So let's just double back again and kind of just close out. The three milestones you want to be looking at are, have you doubled your gross revenue with your wedding business of what you need to live off of, whether it be your yeah. old job or just maybe a number you've determined. Um, are you losing money by not being, being full time full time and having more time to give into the business? And how do you quantify this? I think you look at your client experiences. If you can just make a list of all the negative things that people experienced is the way that you're losing in a competitive environment versus other people, the things that you don't have time to do, or maybe you can literally just say, if I didn't have my full-time job, I would be willing to do 10 more weddings, which would equal mm -hmm. X amount of dollars. You're losing money. You might want to do it. And then the last one is if 
you are generating enough leads and closing at a high enough rate to replace that income. Yep. Um, if you can say yes, 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 or even yes to two of those, and of course the intangible one, which we'll close on really quick, which is, you know, at the end of the day, going full-time in the arts, there's always going to be risk. And so we're not telling you there's a full-time, like there's any foolproof way where you just can know and it's just a safe decision. There's always risk, not just the arts, but anytime you're operating a business and running it on your own. I would say this, like, this is a personal choice, right, Bobby? Yeah. There's something to be said for the emotional side, or, you know, I will call it the emotional side, but the non-facts, non-numbers, non-financials of, you know, it might be, I hate my job, or I feel fulfilled in this and I want to chase that, or... I'm just at the right time in my life where I can take that risk. Yeah, it's not even a risk for me. I'm, yeah. I'm like I'm Bobby the Pizza Man, and anything's better than pizza delivery. And let's freaking yeah. do it. Exactly. Or hey, you know I've worked a hundred thousand dollar salary. I've built up a little nest egg. This is what I want to do. I've done that for a few years. I've got a year and a half of living expenses stashed away for this reason. Yeah, let's do it. That's still. I mean, it's it's that's a safe. It's not a safe bet that you'll succeed, but you're not going to be, you know, living on the streets if it doesn't work out in a year and a half. Yeah. You know, you've approached it smartly. So there are other ways where it makes sense too, but. We, um, we offer coaching here at Wedding Film School. If you go to yep. weddingfilm.school forward slash coaching, you fill out a form, small price be, because we want to make sure we're giving you our full attention and doing a good job. But if you're wondering like, hey, I like a little advice, a little coaching on this. We're glad to help out in any way possible. Of course, there's a Facebook group. You know, I would just say don't get too dependent, though, on other people. Like, we can do the best we can. But at the end of the day, um, a Facebook group, a coaching session, all these things are are good. Like, if you post your yep. work and everyone tells you, your work is terrible. And, like, everyone agrees you don't <laughs> shoot good work. Definitely maybe consider that. If we do a coaching session and I'm like, do you have how many increase do you have? Oh, I got twenty last year, and I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> You're not there. Or, or hey, look, we're not gonna tell you you cannot do this. We're gonna tell you, I would the not. Fail do rate it. there is pretty high, and I would not do it. I would not recommend. I, at the end of the day, we talk about this a lot internally. The success rate of wedding filmmakers to make it to year five, I think, is ten percent. Yeah, it's slim. It's a freaking. I don't know what it is, but it's slim. It's ten percent. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the number in our industry is like ten to twenty percent somewhere in there of like every five years people who started it who made it to the fifth year. Yeah. So it's hard, and you got to know that. You got to know this is a hard thing. Anytime you run your own businesses, there's a range of reasons it can fail. Not even just fail. You may decide not to do it. But yeah. At the end of the day, we love doing this, Bobby. Right. Absolutely. It's a great career path, and I would highly recommend it to anyone who's got the, the guts and the talent. <laughs> and, um, and so if you're wondering, should I go full-time? Hopefully this was helpful. Um, hopefully you've checked out our other episodes about building a business plan because I think that's helpful. And, of course, we have wedding filmmakers Definitely. on the podcast and on the, sh on the YouTube channel all the time who talk about a range of subjects that have nothing to do with these boring numbers, being creative. Just their, how do they make their own work. So you definitely want to check that stuff out on Wedding Film School's YouTube channel and, of course, the other episodes of the Wedding Film School show. Um, we're going to be hanging out really soon. 
in Vegas. Maybe now we're in Vegas, actually, doing a lot of podcasting, yeah. hanging out with wedding filmmakers. And also, if you're out in Vegas at WPPI, um, we'd love to hang out with you. So hit us up on the Instagram. The Wedding Film School Show is our channel or on Facebook or on YouTube and say, yeah, I'm going to be there. And we'll, we'll get plugged in. We'll hang out. Have a great day, guys. See you later. See you.